we, um, we've been getting into a topic, um, as you know, or some of you know, on the subject of the pathways of God. And uh, how many know that God's pathways are a bright pathway? You know, you know it, uh, it, it, it's different to the doom and gloom that the world's got to offer. You know, you cannot miss it. Uh, it gets brighter and brighter, uh, I assure you. And um, what we want to get onto is the fact that we choose his paths. We have to choose his paths. And uh, the Lord, when we're on his path, he'll keep sending the word. He'll keep sending the word. That's so important to get a hold of that. You know, if Psalmist 105 tells us that uh, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, he keeps sending his word and it's like a lamp unto our path. In other words, uh, his paths get bright and brighter and brighter as we go. He keeps sending the word. You know, um, I'm happy to say that uh, ministry doesn't get dull and boring ever because you're not going on something that you learned 30 years ago and just repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. There's revelation knowledge. God keeps sending his word. And so the pathway that you're on just keeps getting brighter and brighter and more exciting. And then, you know, he's always uh, what I call joining the dots, you know, where something you knew is then there's an attached revelation that comes to it and it opens up a whole different sort of form of fabric to you. And it's a blessing. You know, the Bible says, um, you know, his word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And I like to look at it this way. It shows us where we are. And so often that's where people get a bit niggly because it's, you know, maybe a bit of conviction in that. Shows us where we are, but it also shows us where we can go. I've always said that about Psalm 105 and, um, and that particular verse in 119. His word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Well, we finished last week. Uh, again, uh, looking at the way that when we choose God's pathway, the key feature, the key, the key feature of God's pathway is his presence and his guidance. You know, we can expect to experience God's presence on the pathway that he puts us on and we can expect to experience his guidance when we're on the pathway that he gave us. I tell you what, if you're stumbling around on another pathway, watch out. You might just sort of find that there's things to trip over. And we're going to be talking today about things that we trip over. We must remember that his pathways require us to walk by faith as well, not by sight. So, you know, he's showing us things, but we don't necessarily see those things yet because he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the... God that's at the beginning and the God that's at the end. So he sees it all. And as we learn to trust his voice and his guidance in our lives, he'll show us things about the future. Jesus even taught that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth and show you things to come. That's the exciting part for me. You know, I love that part. I love that part where he's showing you things to come, things that haven't happened yet. Things that, you know, people that you're supposed to be associated with. Talked a little bit about that last week where the Lord was showing us things because that was our pathway. That was where we were supposed to be walking. You know, and I like that because what we're going on, the very thing we're walking on is what he is saying. Not just what he said, but what he's also saying. That's the difference between the Logos, the written word of God, and the Rhema, 
the spoken word of God. The difference being what God has said and what he's also saying. Amen. That's something to get excited about. We went to Rhema Bible Training Centre and uh, they taught us both the word and the spirit. They taught us both sides. They're a ministry that knew both sides, not just the word, not how to be a theologian, but how to be a person of the spirit as well, listening for the guidance, looking for that, you know, leading and guiding in their lives. You know, and I love that bit. I love that bit. You know, at first... It was new to me when I first started going to Bible college. It was a little bit, what, what, what you know, I didn't quite know what the anointing was. I heard, uh, <laughs> I heard one, um, uh, I think it was an African-American preacher who said, well, I don't quite know what the anointing is, but I know when it ain't. <laughs> I know when it ain't. And, uh, you know, it's a good way to describe it. Uh, you know when it's there, you know the presence. The tingling that we spoke about last week. Listen to last week's uh, sermon, John. You mentioned in it, you know. The tingling where uh, Sammy was told that he would hear things that would make his ears tingle. If that's not goosebumps, I don't know what is, you know. And the Bible talks about it. We're going to go on what he's saying and not what we think. That's really what what we're about when we get onto God's pathways. Can you think of a scripture that fits really perfectly? I know I can. Proverbs 3, 5, 6. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. A lot of people lean to their own understanding and it gives them the wobbles on God's pathway. Lean not to your own understanding. Look what it says in verse 6. This is how to do it. In all your ways acknowledge him. That's just, you know, acknowledging him in all your ways. You make a decision or you think you're making a decision, well, give it to God. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him as being Lord of your life and capable of showing you where maybe as you acknowledge him that maybe that pathway or that step that you're taking is wrong and just hold up. Just wait a bit. could be a, a whole range of things that he gives you. But, you know, as we begin to live that way, trusting the Lord with all our heart, expecting to hear from him, Expecting him to direct us from our hearts and lean not to your own understanding. Oh, I better not go that way because of this, this and this. But all those things could be dispelled by God as you start walking down that way. You see, that's the walking by faith and not by sight. And, you know, Rosemary mentioned last week, uh, you know, driving across the Nullarbor in our, our classic uh, French car and uh, we were young and, and thrilled by the concept of you know, heading out on our God-given pathway and young and free and uh, no children, <laughs> um, pioneering a church and, and of course, um, you know, we, we had enough money to get there. That's all we had. We didn't have any money after that, you know, but we were walking by faith and not by sign. It didn't matter, you know. And we're glad we had those days. We, 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 I think, look back and I weren't real happy at the time, but when we had quiche days, where the only thing we could eat was quiche. What's for dinner, honey? Quiche. Honey, what's for dinner tomorrow night? Quiche. You know, because it's just eggs and onion and a little bit of, you know, a few ingredients for us to have quiche. But that's all we needed. You know, we just we could eat, eat quiche. You know, um, the last term of Bible college, uh, one, of the, one of the standards was that they had an exit interview with one of the lecturing staff. 
you were assigned one of the lecturing staff and they made an appointment with you, had to go and speak with them and talk about your year and what you were doing. And, and I remember the conversation. Um, and I sat with the, the lecturer and he sat there across the, the, the desk from me, very, very positional. He had his back to the wall and looking at me, sitting across from his desk there. And, and, uh, and he says, so Peter, uh, you're off to, to uh, Pioneer Church over there in Queensland and you know, we talked about some of the practicalities of going interstate and, you know, how we're having to move and, and uh, get our gear over there. And, and, and he said, well, do you have any money? And I said, well, not much. And he said, how much? I said, oh, about $150. <laughs> and uh, I saw the look on his face. I have to say it was a look of unbelief, you know, because, you know, he knew that where God provides... You know, where God guides, he's going to provide. But he knew it. That he looked at what I had at the moment. should never look at that. Because when God's calling you, he's going to look after it all. You know, where he leads, he feeds. Amen. Even quiche. <laughs> Even quiche, you know. You've got to be allowed to, to, to factor that in. And uh, I knew that he knew that we would be walking by faith. But, you know, it's just that look of uncertainty in his face when I said how much money we had. But, you know, we, that was probably in December sometime. We drove out in early February and we had enough to get our cars, uh, not our cars, our, our, our furniture over there. And we drove off enough to put petrol in our car to get there and a couple of places to stop on the way over. And, uh, and of course, it was, it was all provided for. And, uh, and, you know, one of our dear friends... Uh, girlfriend of Rosemary's mother, uh, Leslie Heron. She gave us this cassette tape, uh, and I think it was given to us like in the context of us a week before and just seeing them at church. And she gave us this cassette tape, and it had a song on it. It was like all worship songs. And it had a song on it, and it went like, I'll sing it for you. Shepherd of my soul, I give you full control. Wherever you may lead, I will follow. And we, we, we sang that across the nullable. And it was just sweet, you know, because it just, it was our heart, you know, it was our heart that we're just doing what God wanted us to do. And it does, it touches your heart. You know, our acknowledging Him is always about that continuous communication that we should have with Him saying what His Word says. You know, that life of prayer, that prayer without ceasing, we call it. Prayer without ceasing, where we just, we're not just finding a time to pray. Well, I pray on Tuesday nights and Friday mornings, you know. We, we ought to be those people that are praying continuously, just connecting with the Father's heart. Because prayer is just about communication, about linking with the Father. And we're all called to it. Don't you think it's the people that stand up here and preach the word that are called to that? No, we're all called to that. And it's a lifestyle and it's exciting and I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish it anything else for anyone. Amen? Yeah. Amen. You know, our acknowledging him is always about that continuous communication. And, you know, sometimes there's a renewed devotion to it required. You might be sitting here this morning and feeling like you need to make a, you know, a start, a fresh start, a, a fresh commitment, a renewed devotion, a New Year's resolution. It's still January. You can get away with it, I, I believe. You can still make New Year's resolutions in January. You can walk out of here today, I'm going to make some changes. 
I'm going to start really looking for the Father's heart. Just going on the communion message today, alone, you should be realising that the Father's always ready for you to just accept the love that he has for you as you are and make a fresh start. You know, prayer morning, uh, prayer meeting this morning started out with us talking about, you know, uh, how his mercies are new every morning and great is his faithfulness. You know, such great faithfulness and his mercies are new every morning. You know, it's that every day we start out with that fresh revelation and, of course, able to uh, receive his ministry into our hearts. Proverbs chapter 4 and uh, verse 24 to 27, it says, look what it says. Put away deception from your mouth. Keep your lips from perverse speech. That's swearing and vulgarity and all those kind of things. Keep your lips from perverse speech. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Make a level path for your feet. That's what getting all the bad communications and corrupt communications out of your mouth will do. It'll take all the bumps out of your path. You know. Make a level path for your feet. And all your ways will be sure. There's, you know, less tripping up. Look what it says also in verse 27. Do not swerve to the right or to the left and turn your feet away from evil. It's a good word. You know, removing those deviations from our pathway uh, is what the Lord wants us to do. No swerving uh, over into our, our own understanding. That's a swerve. You know, that's a detour. Or detouring over into evil. Say, I can do this. I'll get away with this for a little while. No one knows. God knows. And he wants us on his pathway. Amen? Breaking free from old ways is a part of the pathway of God. Breaking free from old ways. And recognising what things cause us to stumble. Um, we'll talk about that. Stumbling is very important for us to understand. If you're walking your pathway, you've got to understand some things about stumbling. Proverbs chapter 4, 18 and 19 says, The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining brighter and brighter until midday. But the way of the wicked is like the darkest gloom. They do not know what makes them stumble. Look at that. They do not know what makes them stumble. They don't get it. They need, they need light to help them to understand where they are. The light of God's word. They need light, you know, the light of God's word to show them where they can go. Amen. And where those messages that go with is light. And just, you know, switch on the light for some people, you know, that are out there in darkness, not, not even knowing what's making them stumble. And, of course, there's things that cause us to stumble as well, isn't there? You know, in our Christian walk, there's some things that cause us to stumble, and we need to be aware of those as well. The Hebrew word stumble means to bring down. What was it ELO that had that song, Don't Bring Me Down? Yeah. I think it was ELO. Yeah, Don't Bring Me Down. And, uh, you know, that word stumble, it, 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 it's usually what happens, right? Isn't it? You know, you stumble, and it usually brings you down, or what we say, fall down. <laughs> have the moments where you know it might be did you ever fall down in down south you did take a little fall didn't you 
That's right. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to embarrass her. I'm just trying to remember the last one. It was actually just while we were on holidays. She was doing something and on a, on a slippery floor and tried to turn around and pew, up she went. All legs and arms flying all over the place and I heard a, heard a big thud and she always cries when she falls over. <laughs> and I don't know whether she's going to break out into laughter any minute when she does because, you know, you come running, you know what I mean? You hear, what happened, what happened? Oh, fellow now. <laughs> and she starts laughing, you know. <laughs> but, you know, usually when you do have a little stumble, you have a little trip event, you look to see what it is that you stumble over, don't you? You know, you, you find yourself, what, what was that? You know, you're walking down the street and you have... Psh- And you always see the person that tripped over looking back to see what it was. That's normal. And we should do that in our godly pathway as well. What was it that made me pay attention? You never see people who trip over go, trip, trip. You know, everyone who trips over and has a stumble stops to look and see what it was that made them stumble. You know, the stumbling is not just a condition experienced by the wicked. It's also found among the righteous. You know, the Christian, the believer. And of course, many in their Christian, uh, you know, God-given pathway have not recognised what causes them to stumble, what causes them to trip up. And they need to take a little look and see what it is. What's causing me to stumble? The Greek word for stumble, equivalent word, is the Greek word skandalizo. Skandalizo. It's defined as a stick for bait of a trap. Generally, a snare, a stumbling block, an offence. So often when we've stumbled, the first thing we need to do is stop and see what it was that actually got us to stumble and trip up. We've got to do that. And, and here's the inside tip. The things that cause us to stumble are many times put there by the enemy. You know, look what it says. It said, a stick, a bait of a trap. That's that word for stumble. A bait of a trap. Understand this. And we should understand this. It's, it's important for us to understand that the workers of darkness are not happy to see you on God's pathway. Not happy to see us on God's pathway. So the, the, the forces of darkness will come out with stumbling blocks, baits, traps, the little things that you trip up over. And, and those tripping up events that slow us down in our spiritual progress will put us on a departure pathway. You know, we've swerved. We're now, we're now veering to the right. It's a departure pathway we need to watch out for, away from the Lord's pathway and onto another pathway. And we have to watch out what that is. Offence, and it's mentioned here that stumbling so often comes from offence, is a major weapon used by the enemy against God's people. A major weapon. But let's face it, I mean, if we were to put our hands up, who hasn't been offended? Ever. In your life. Who hasn't been offended in their Christian life? I see no hands are going up. I didn't think I'd get an altar call for that either. Okay? But we need to see if the devil can get you over into offence, 
he has a wound that won't heal. And it's a wound that he can keep pressing. Ouch. You know, it's like it, it, it stops us from the walk that we're called to because there's this offense that's just not healing. Offense is a hindrance to God's presence and God's power in our life. And that's why it's, so, that's why it's a weapon used by the enemy. Offense is a hindrance to God's presence and God's power in our life. Because offense leads to unforgiveness and unbelief. Here's Jesus. He's in his itinerant ministry. He went from place to place, itinerant ministry. And he comes by Nazareth, his hometown, and he goes into his old church and he preached up a storm. Wisdom downloads, the miraculous in manifestation. He's glowing in the dark. And, uh, you know, they weren't just having Bible readings that day. Jesus made their ears tingle. There were goosebumps galore, you know, I believe, on that day in that church service. And look what it says in, 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 in Matthew chapter 13, in verse 54. It says, And he went to his hometown and began to teach them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, How did this wisdom and these miracles come to him? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Chippies don't have miracles. Isn't his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? See, Jesus wasn't an only child. He had brothers and sisters. Verse 56, and his sisters, aren't they all with us? Still in Nazareth. So where does he get all these things? Verse 57, and look what it says. Underline it for yourself. And they were offended by him. And they were offended by him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour except in his hometown and in his household. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Notice offence preceded unbelief. That offence, you know, just offended. It just keeps you in unbelief, you know. Unbelief that God could even do something good with the person that offended you. And that's the worst part of offence. It locks us down into thinking, well, God can't do anything with them because of what they did to me. And yet he can. His hand is not shortened that he cannot save. He'll reach people that you, didn't, you thought were unreachable. So we've got to watch out that offence doesn't turn into unbelief. Amen? Their unbelief was built on offence and un. An offence will limit what God can do supernaturally in any location. The hometown people of Nazareth couldn't get past the fact that Jesus was someone they knew. He's the eldest in Mary and Joseph's family. And that familiarity prevented them from you know, receiving from the gift and the anointing that was on Jesus' life. What a tragedy. You think about it. What a, tra- a tragedy that is. And in fact, the offence was actually an unreal expectation. They assumed that if anyone was going to be anointed and powerful in God, it wasn't going to be the local you know, carpenter's son, whom they knew. Familiarity. So let's just talk a little bit about offence. We understand now that the enemy will bring it as a bait. It's a stumbling thing. It's something for us to trip over. 
But we've got to look and see what it is that we're tripping over and say, I'm not tripping over that again. So I need to get better and not bitter. And so often that's the, the, the challenge when someone has, someone has done something wrong against us, even, even without even thinking about it, or, or even deliberately. We get bitter about it rather than better about it. The enemy brings it as a, as a bait. It becomes a wound that the enemy will keep pressing. You know, just keep pushing. Oh, oh, you know. And you know it's not right. But what we're doing today is we're switching on the light, aren't we? Switching on the light is like, you know, when the, when the enemy's afoot and playing around and, and you know, trying to uh, make uh, uh, people get on different pathways, uh, switching on the light reveals what the devil's up to. It reveals his game. It reveals what's going on in darkness. And I say, always turn the light on. Look at the word. The, the, the light will come straight away once we go to the word. We are all most offended when we have a failed expectation. That can be as mild as going to the fridge first thing in the morning and find that there's no milk. And I tell you, in the first thing in the morning, the thing I have to have is a coffee with milk in it. Amen. Amen. I know that all the coffee drinkers are just saying, yes, pastor, you've got it. (laughs) Now, that's a problem for the person that did the shopping, you know. Could be. But, of course, the service station's just up the road, isn't it, honey? (laughs) Go jump in the car. It's just down the road. They've got one in the fridge for you. But, you know, a failed expectation is really what we're talking about. So there's a reasonable expectation that there's milk in the fridge in the morning. But if it's not, you're going to have to behave yourself, you know, and not get offended, not get start getting cranky about that. And what we should see is that offences can be based on expectations. If we have unreal or unfair expectations, we set ourselves up to be easily offended. All right? The, the Bible says offences must come. So offences are going to be a part of our, our journey and a part of our pathway. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just that way. The enemy will try and get us over into offence. But, you know, unreal and unfair expectations should be the thing that we see when we stop to look and see what it was that we stumbled over. What was that trip-up event really about? I tripped up. I don't know what that was, but now I'm offended. You know. No, no. I I tripped up. I feel offended, but I better look and see what it really was that I'm offended about. And, you know, I understand that where it comes to unfair and unreal expectations, that's where we need to make the adjustment. And say, well, that's... That was, you know... That was just left there and, you know, I'm just not going to be, you know, offended by that. I'm not going to have an unreal expectation that causes me to be offended. I'm not going to have an unfair expectation that causes me to be offended. I'm not going to live with that in my life. That's where we adjust and say, well, I won't be tripping over that again. I'll just avoid it. I'll just step over that one next time around. God's kingdom that we're called to live by is a new way of living. And it makes no room for us to be easily offended. For example, you might 
be strong on quid pro quo. Who's heard of quid pro quo? It's actually a Latin statement, quid pro quo. I'm not very good with Latin. I know a little Greek. Owns a fish and chip shop up the street. Um, Quid pro quo. The quid pro quo ethic is this. It means if you do something for someone, they now need to do something for you. They now need to do something big for you based on whether or not you did a big thing for them. Do a big thing for them, they need to, you need to be a big, big thing back. Quid pro quo means that every act of kindness is with the expectation that there will be a return on that act of kindness. How many of you have ever come across quid pro quo now? Yeah, yeah. And, and people that live that way and it's like there's this unwritten rule it's, it's not written down anywhere, but you better make sure that you know how that operates because offence is coming if you don't follow through. They did that for you, you're supposed to do that back for me now, you know, and so there's this quid pro quo thing going on. But how many of you know that's an unreal expectation? You know, and when that is not negotiated or agreed to, it becomes an unfair expectation. It sounds good, and it almost sounds godly, doesn't it? Almost sounds like that, you know, you could live that way and just be known as being really generous and, you know, thoughtful of others and all that kind of thing. It sounds good, but it's not God's way. All right, it's not God's way. The kingdom of God does not work on quid pro quo. Jesus spelt that out, and we'll look at it in Luke chapter 6 and verse 33. He said... If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. So in other words, we're marching to the beat of a different drum. We need to be better than that. And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expect to be expecting to be repaid in full. Look what the God's way is, the higher way. Verse 35, but love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons, and I always say sons and daughters, sons and daughters of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Verse 36, be merciful just as your father is merciful. You know, we're to be imitators of God, aren't we? That's what we're called to. You know, we're, to call, we're called to live that higher lifestyle where we're just stepping over all those stumbling blocks that the world lives by and, as I say, unwritten laws and ways of doing things. But this is the way of sons and daughters. Loving and forgiving no matter what. Love is not self-seeking. It's not interested in the return. It should not be a part of the calculation when we do good. Amen? The Bible says, freely you have received, freely give. What was God's love toward you like? It was unmerited favour, wasn't it? You know. You didn't get it because you'd been so good lately. You know, you didn't, we, none of us received it on that basis. We usually get offended when someone hurts us. And we've all been hurt. I've been hurt in ministry. I've cried in ministry because I've been hurt. 
whether deliberately or unintended, we need to recognise that the offence perpetrated against us that we hang on to is going to hinder what the Lord can do in our lives supernaturally. And that's just the way it works. I wish there was another way, but that's the way that it rolls out. We need, we need to take a look at the way we get offended and decide to be like those successful athletes, the winning athletes. What they do is they dedicate time and energy into the area of their weakness. Where am I weak? Because I tell you what, if the devil's coming after anything, he's coming after the weak. Those that are weak in areas, and he'll come after that. And we need to train in the area of our weakness. We know that the, that the love um, uh, walk is the way of the kingdom of God. The love walk, walking out love. For many, that's a constant training ground. You know, I'm always having to remind myself that, hey, I need to just love. Love is my, I'm called to love. To love and forgive. That doesn't make... <clears throat> Some will find out. It doesn't make me a rubber mat or, you know, easily easily taken advantage of either. But I'm going to walk in love. You know, the way of the kingdom of darkness is completely different. It's revenge, payback. Don't get angry, get even, you know. And, the love, you know, the enemy loves it when and God's people fail to walk in love because it hinders the atmosphere. Strife stifles the presence of God. You know, in the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, I've just got a couple of scriptures to go, but the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love, God's love in us, is not easily provoked. And I like reading it at more than weddings. It says, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, it says, Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful and is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked nor overly sensitive and easily angered. Wow. It does not take into account a wrong endured. It does not rejoice at injustice but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best in each one, and hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, and endures all things without weakening. I like that last bit, without weakening. Some keep extensive records on people that have hurt them or failed their expectations. And they're basically living, they're doing life offended. Just, I'm just offended. I'm just offended. And we're not saying that the perpetrator hasn't done anything against you. You're not saying that that is, you know, the typical, uh, you know, experience. You're not saying that, you know, you don't have reason because of the way that they've hurt you. But others have had an unimaginable evil betray, uh, perpetrated against them. We understand being on, you know, the receiving end of that really hurts. And the wound that we experience, the hurt, can be very, very raw. But here's the truth. We've got to take it to God in prayer. Because that's the first step of healing. Is take it to God and say, God, I'm hurt. You know. You know what that is? Letting the word show us where we are. You know. Because the Bible's full of hurt people. 
The Bible is also full of hurt people who got up and got over it. And that's us, amen? We got up and get over it. We have to see that our Heavenly Father wants us free and not being held captive by past hurts and offences, the stumbling blocks that the enemy put in our pathway. He doesn't want us bitter. He wants us better. He wants us to overcome. And I like this passage. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 to 21, it says, Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so you'll heap coals of fire on his head. That's the part where they go, huh? They've been good to me? After the way I treated them, after the way I hurt them, and they're being good to me? That's hot coals, you know, where their conscience begins to really prick. Now, we're not doing it for the coals, okay? We're We're doing it because that's the heart of God. We're doing it because that's the way we should behave. Let's be quick to recognise the things that make us stumble, the trip events. Let's desire to be free from a spirit of offence. Because if we don't watch out, the spirit of offence rises up. And what the enemy does is it becomes a stronghold where he has access. That's right. Where he has access into our lives and in our pathway and try and get us off track. And he wants to make it worse. And God wants you to take the steps that will make it better. A breakthrough anointing, I believe, is here today. It's a part of our ongoing transformation in the Lord to be set free. It's, it's something that we can expect him to do in our lives when we bring it to him and say, Lord, I need to be free. I need, to, I need your help to be free from this. I need that transforming power on my life today. And who knows that Jesus came to set the captives free. He said, you know, the, the, the Lord had anointed him for that purpose. And, you know, when we come together as a church, we can expect that same anointing to flow, to break off areas of offence, break off areas where we've had maybe unforgiveness towards someone and break it off our lives and get free. This is where the Word and the Spirit work together. So wherever the Word of God is preached, the Holy Spirit lands. And he's here to do the power part. You know, I haven't got that. I don't carry that. You know, it's not one of my, it's not in my tool chest. But he does. He comes with that. And when we just quietly submit our hearts to God and say, Lord, I need that. I need to be set free from this. I don't want to be tripping up and tripping up and tripping up and just that that be my lifestyle where I'm just always tripping up. I want to be free. And if that's you today, I believe the Lord's going to minister to you today. I believe the Lord's going to set you free today. Went down to Perth in um, October and ministered down there. And the Lord said, said very, very clear to me, he said, there's going to be a spirit of legalism that people need to get set free from. And, uh, and, and so I just brought my, brought my message and then just said, well, I believe there's people here with a spirit of legalism, you know. And I tell you what, the altar just filled up. 
I think you were there, uh, Jess and Greg, you were there. The altar filled up. It was like, all these people need to get free of the spirit of legalism. And the funny thing was, and I, I, I reflect on this, uh, one guy came down, I've known for probably 20 years or more, and he came down and he, he thought he was just coming up to Pastor Pete just to say, look, I've got this problem. And he started talking the problem. And I, I listened for probably about 30 seconds and I thought, this is going to be a long story, you know, because he, he wanted counselling at the altar. And I knew that that's not what God wanted him to receive at the altar because I'm not really a good counsellor. What God wanted him to receive was breakthrough and to be set free from what had robbed him. Amen. And when he came down, he got... I, I said to myself, I just stopped him while he was talking. I said, Look, I don't really think it's time to sort of hear the whole story. I think the Lord wants to minister to you. And I just laid hands on him and he went... <gasps> took this great big breath and uh, fortunately there was an usher behind him and a, you know he was kind of laid out on the ground there because God wanted to set him free you see that's the word and the spirit working together and we need that you know tell you what God can do in a second what 10 counselors might take two years to do can't he he can break things off our lives spirits at work spirits that are binding us down amen don't be afraid of the altar. I say that, church, because this year God's going to do more around the altar than what he can do through messages from the pulpit. Amen? And we need to be ready for that and want more of that. Amen? Hallelujah. And reverence what happens down here at the altar. You know, reverence. You know, we might be all stacking our chairs away and putting tables out and doing all the things that we do to get ready to have some morning tea, which we're going to do in a minute. Reverence what's happening down here at the altar. The Spirit of God's at work here, you know. And um, those, living, those living waters springing forth and, and uh, transformation for those that drink of it. Today's message was called The Devil's Deviations. I think it might, it might be a, a one that touches many hearts, uh, not just here, but as it goes out into the cloud as well. Because people need to be set free, amen?